0: Hey, it's Hillary. Do you guys remember our episode with Casey Wilson and Jesse Klein when they were talking about how awful and aggressive baby boy clothes are? I don't want him to wear like a a shirt with a picture of like a dinosaur like dick punching a bear or whatever it is. Well, of course, we needed to see what that would look like, a dinosaur dick punching a bear. And lots of you made drawings for us, amazing drawings. Our very favorite came from Emily Flake, who is a New Yorker cartoonist. And we turned her drawing into a little enamel pin, which you can own. You can stick this thing on your jacket or your shirt or a diaper bag and then have fun explaining to people what exactly that dinosaur is doing to that bear. These pins are super affordable. They're just $8, and that money helps to support this show. So get your pin now at longestshortesttime.com and click shop. That's longestshortesttime.com and click shop. Today, I'm very happy to say that comedian and friend of the show W. Kamau Bell is guest hosting. So I'm going to pass this off to him, but you're going to hear my voice again in the ads. Okay, so buy your dino pins now and enjoy the show.
1: So uh, the last time I did, uh, Longest Shortest Time, uh, it was to interview my mom about her sex life. And uh, there was no need to explain to people why I need my mom, because it was my mom. Right. But my first question is, how do we know each other? <laughs> hey, I'm W. Kamau Bell, and I'm talking here with Shannon Lee.
2: Well, actually, it all started with a podcast.
1: <laughs> As everything does.
2: <laughs> it all started because I started a Bruce Lee podcast, yes. and, um, and just randomly out of the blue, you tweeted about the Bruce Lee podcast. Yes. It was something like... Um, I just found out that that, uh, there's a Bruce Lee podcast by Bruce's daughter, Shannon. I think everything's going to be all right in the world.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like me.
2: Yeah, because as it turns out, you're a Bruce Lee fan.
1: Oh, I'm definitely a Bruce Lee fan. Huge. You'll hear more about that in a second. But as I've gotten to know Shannon, I've also become a big fan of hers. Shannon is the protector of her dad's legacy which hasn't always been easy for her especially when she was growing up in that shadow and the way she's handled it has taught me a lot about how to approach parenting my own kids and Shannon is an extraordinary person in her own right this is the longest shortest time i'm Debbie Kamal Bell sitting in for Hillary Frank thanks Hillary so i'm a comedian and i have a <clears throat> emmy winning tv show on cnn called United Shades of America with W. Kamal Bell, and I also co-host a podcast called Politically Reactive. Today, I'm sitting down with Shannon Lee, daughter of the dragon. I sort of made that up for her. I think she's cool with it.
2: Daughter of the dragon. I should just put that after you, my name. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it should definitely be on your business card. I should me.
2: hand it with sound effects, too. Like, Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> In reality, Shannon's business card says, CEO of Bruce Lee Enterprises. And the company she runs is completely devoted to the legacy of the martial artist, movie star, and international cultural icon that was also her dad. But Bruce Lee died when Shannon was just a little girl. So today she tells me about what it's like being the daughter of a hero, a legit hero, and trying to keep his ideas alive long after he's been gone how her dad's lessons have helped her through her own struggles, and what she hopes her own teenage daughter will take away from the family legacy. Whew, that's a lot. Okay, so this is the sound of one of my favorite scenes ever in a Bruce Lee film. It's from Fist of Fury which, fun fact, was originally released in the U.S. under the title Chinese Connection as a way to capitalize off of the Gene Hackman movie The French Connection. Weird. I first saw it in, I want to say, 1987? So Bruce plays a martial arts student who's fighting for his dead master's honor and the honor of the Chinese people under Japanese rule. In this scene, he stands, shirtless, like he does, with a fierce look in his eye. He takes on the Japanese fighters one by one, but more and more step up, and suddenly, Bruce is surrounded. Bruce stands in the middle of them, cool and collected, grabs his nunchucks, and whoops maximum ass. I first saw this movie when I was 14 years old, and I couldn't believe how cool and strong this dude was. I entered a full-on Bruce Lee phase, a phase you could say that I really never grew out of. I started doing Wing Chun Kung Fu, which is the style of martial arts that Bruce Lee initially practiced. It took me an hour to get from the south side of Chicago, where I live with my mom, to the Phil Nearing School of Wing Chun on the north side of Chicago. But I didn't care. I recruited my friends to come over and made them watch Bruce Lee movies. They became fans, or at least claimed they were. I went to Chinatown in Chicago and bought posters and I even got them to iron on a picture of Bruce Lee onto a white t-shirt, which was the only way you could get a Bruce Lee t-shirt back then. And the reason I was so into Bruce Lee, the reason why I only have two tattoos, one in honor of my mom and one in honor of Bruce Lee, is not only because of Bruce Lee's serious badassery in the field of combat—okay, that's like 75-80% of it—but the other reason is because Bruce Lee was more than just a fighter. He was saying something. He was always fighting for something. That's what made him a hero. So at the end of the scene with the nunchuck madness, after he's like laid waste to all these Japanese men and they're all surrounding him on the floor, holding their ankles and their bellies and their faces, Bruce's character says, we are not sick men. The we he's talking about are the Chinese people. He wasn't just fighting for himself in that scene. He was fighting for his country. I heard when they played this movie in Chinese movie theaters back in the day, people actually stood up and clapped at that moment. Bruce was making a social statement, and that meant a lot to me as a 14-year-old black kid growing up on the south side of Chicago. It still means a lot now. This is the side of Bruce that Shannon connects with, too. Over the years, it's not her dad's films that she's turned to for guidance. It's the writing he left behind in journals. It's his philosophy and his way of being in the world. The Bruce Lee that stood up for Chinese men as more than just punchlines in the film industry. That's also the same Bruce Lee who, years before he died, learned that the discipline of the mind was as important as the discipline of the body. He learned that while he was healing from a major back injury that he was told he would never recover from. He did. Shannon wants Bruce Lee fans to get to know this side of her dad this is a parenting podcast and I think I've talked to you a little bit about this, but there was legit a time when I was in high school where I sort of acknowledged him as one of my dad's (laughs) (laughs) Bruce Lee's philosophy and way of being in the world was raising me.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, he was my dad, but he died when I was four years old and that philosophy also raised me. I mean, aside from the experience of him as my parent, um, I I think a lot of people feel that way. And, you know, he had a philosophy that was all about how to live your life, uh, uh, you know, in in the best way possible and in the most individual way for yourself, like how to be the best version of yourself that you can be. And so because of that, he had a lot of great words of wisdom as a parent, you know. So, no, I I get it. Totally.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, and like you said, and I've heard you talk about this, that, you know, he died when you were four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your memories of him are more sort of like the spirit of like the the feeling of him.
2: Yes. So yeah. I'll tell you, you know, uh, the strongest memory that I have, and it took me a, a while to understand that this was a memory, mm-hmm. is an emotional memory, is a visceral memory of the feeling of him and the feeling that he created and nurtured in, in me mm-hmm. as well, you know, and so my experience of him is, I, I always sort of liken it to the sunshine, like this warm, radiant thing that makes things grow, that makes you feel alive, mm-hmm. that is bright and full of energy. And I felt um, extremely loved by him.
1: Now, the I would imagine that growing up, there's got to be a weirdness about the fact that your memory of him is this visceral feeling of sunshine, and then people who have never met him mm. probably talk about him and maybe to you like they knew him intimately.
2: Yes. I mean, it still happens today. I run into people who want to tell me all about him. Mm -hmm, mm. Well, you know, Bruce Lee was like this, and Mm. I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) really?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Is that what he was like? Oh, is that what he was Uh, like? Oh, okay.
2: Okay. Yeah, no. And it's challenging. It made me really sad, actually, for a really long time, because um, the one thing that everybody wants to know from me— is him like they want me to be able to tell them a story like and then he came in the room and he said this to me and i remember you know those words are forever ingrained in my you know but i was four so Yeah. yeah it's really hard for me to fully distinguish what is completely and authentically mine versus what are things I remember from photographs and um, stories that people have told about my father? And so I, the only thing I can point to is that because I remember so vividly what it was to be with him, what the feeling of him was, that's how I know him. The things I do remember are I remember visiting him on set at Golden Harvest. I remember our house in Hong Kong. I remember glimpses, like just, but again, like they're really hard to hold on to. I don't, it's, I don't have that. And for years I was like really sad about it. And then when I realized like, oh, I know him intimately in a way that nobody, I mean, almost nobody knows him. And have been loved by him so strongly in a way that not other people have been loved by him. I was like, neener, neener, neener.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Bruce Lee died suddenly in 1973 at the age of 32 after having a negative reaction to a pain medication. It caused swelling in his brain. He entered a coma and couldn't be revived. Shannon's mom, Linda, was only 28 at the time, and she was now the single parent of Shannon and her older brother, Brandon. At the time, they were living in Hong Kong off of the money Bruce had made as an actor, which when he died, wasn't that much. So Linda moved her children back to the United States, eventually settling in Los Angeles. And to help support herself and the kids, she sold her stake in Bruce's production company. The company had ownership in three of Bruce Lee's films. One of those films was Enter the Dragon, which was released after Bruce's death, and that's the film that catapulted him to international fame. Nobody saw that coming. His family was left with no financial stake in these movies. Shannon left L.A. for college in New Orleans, where she trained as a classical singer. After graduating, she decided not to pursue music. Instead, she nannied... Had an office job for a few years, but she didn't really feel fulfilled. Her brother Brandon was living in Los Angeles, working as an actor and director. Shannon decided to try to join him out in Hollywood.
2: I made this big plan. Okay, I'm going to move back to LA. I'm going to act. My brother's going to. We're going to be with my brother. Mm-hmm. We're going to be together. And then, and then he was killed right before I was supposed to move back. In
1: 1993, Brandon Lee died in an accident on set while filming The Crow. He was 28. And he was beginning what many thought would be a promising career in Hollywood. The Crow became a big hit after he died, the same way of the Dragon became a big hit after his dad died. Brandon's death was so sudden and awful that Shannon hardly knew what to do with herself.
2: Um, I moved back anyway and sort of went through with the plan anyway, but it was in the midst of like years of grieving and, you know, just, just, and not having that anchor that I was hoping would be there for me. I was really struggling as a human being.
1: At her lowest, Shannon started to turn to her dad's writings. She'd paged through, reading things she'd read before, but now they felt different. I
2: came across one quote of his that really hit me in that moment. And I I might not get it exactly right, but it essentially was... um, the medicine for my suffering I had within me all along, but I didn't take it. Um, and and the quote goes on from there. And I thought, oh, the medicine for my suffering I I have within me. I have the ability to alleviate my own suffering. I just have to figure out how. I just have to look for what that medicine is. And and. Typically and generally what it is, is a shift in perspective.
1: And a shift came her way pretty soon after. In the late 80s, Linda entered a deal that made Universal Studios the exclusive licensing agent for Bruce Lee's name and likeness rights. And that really limited what the family was able to do with Bruce's legacy.
2: She, at some point, came to me and said, "You know, I really am looking to kind of retire. Not that she did this full time either. Nobody was really doing it full time. But she said, "You know, to the extent you you have any interest, I just want to put it out there that you you can do this if you want." And I said, you know, this is something that I care about because I care about the philosophy. I care about the way my father lived his life. I care about the energy and the love and the attention that he filled me with. And I care about other people having access to this in the right way and, and bringing this all back together and cleaning it up and, and creating this thing that can then, you know, continue to shine brightly in the world.
1: It took Shannon over 10 years and a big loan, but she finally was able to untangle the licensing arrangement with Universal in 2011, which meant she now had control over her dad's legacy. So she got busy. She made a documentary about her dad and a comic book. She runs a charity in his name, which, among other things, helps underprivileged youth access martial arts. And the t-shirts, oh, they're way better now. Shannon's been able to elevate her dad's image and promote his ideas. She's making sure that the lasting fame of Bruce Lee is something that he'd be proud of. But Shannon says being in charge of the legacy of an icon has its challenges, especially when that icon is your dad. So this is, my, this is a big question. now. In what ways did growing up as Bruce Lee's daughter suck? <laughs>
2: Oh, well, um, you know, there are a lot of assumptions made about me. Mm -hmm. Also being a daughter, um, a lot of people feel really free to say really crazy stuff to me about the fact that You know, oh, you know, my brother was killed in an accident. Oh, it's too bad. There are no more sons left. Or, oh my god, I need to. I have a daughter, and I've had people tell me that I need to have another child so that there'll be a boy.
1: Oh my god, (laughs) these are things people say. (laughs) Oh
2: yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: Still like now? Oh yeah. Well, I mean,
2: now I'm getting past the childbearing ages.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs> giving up that yeah, horrible, so. sexist, misogynistic, <laughs> patriarchal dream?
2: Yes, exactly. Uh. Um, I've had people like, like when I first started acting, I had somebody took out a full page ad in, it was either the Hollywood Reporter or the Variety against me saying that I was a fraud and that I, and that I shouldn't. Uh, that I was just trying to. People say all the time that I'm just trying to make money off, off his of his, legacy. off of his legacy and his name. You know, I mean that that stuff.
1: That's one of the weird things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and like, <laughs> like I'm, not, I'm not, like I didn't buy his legacy off the off of the internet. I didn't buy the rights to his life in an auction. I'm the kid. <laughs>
2: I know, and and the funny thing is, is like I'm like, hmm, let's see. Well, let's if my dad were like a baker, yeah. and I wanted to go into the baking business, like I'm pretty sure, first of all, like my dad would be thrilled mm-hmm. that I was interested in yeah. baking.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It's the, called the family business.
2: He'd yeah. be thrilled that he'd be able to pass a business along to me, and everybody would think that that was natural. Yeah. Um, But I think that people think that um, this is different somehow because when somebody's success is wrapped up in their identity, it feels like it belongs solely to them, which his identity certainly does. Um, um, And also, there seems to be um, amongst a lot of people who are fans, this almost like disciple Mm. feeling like it's almost religious fervor in yeah. a way like you shouldn't ever make money off of it it should be free and available for everybody which for the most part it is like if you want to yeah. see the words like yeah. you're they're super available
1: yeah. <laughs> the, the internet has made most of it is free it's mostly <laughs> yeah. there yeah. yeah right
2: you know um and and so i think people feel a little bit like You know, there's a a quality to it where it shouldn't be attached to money in any way. And and the truth of the matter is I don't—for me, the money is least of it, Mm -hmm. um, really. My goal and my mission in being involved in all of this is because— you know His words have been so impactful for me as a human being mm-hmm. um, that I feel that there's value in sharing them more widely and having people understand that side of him, uh, uh, of his personality and his identity, because I think it can be helpful and healing to the world at large. But yeah, there, there is a certain um, a se- sense about it that I should be doing something else with my life.
1: I mean, you. I feel like I, when I think about you, it's funny to say this, but I do think of you in the same cinema category as Michael Jordan's kids. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody wants them to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Turns out, not that good at basketball. <laughs> like, better than me, but not Michael Jordan. And I would right. imagine that in your life, like you said when you were acting, that there was a lot of, there was sort of like... Ex- expectations that you would be the martial artist that he was
2: oh totally yeah. totally I mean everybody um, immediately assumes that I'm an expert martial artist yeah. and I studied martial arts for many years but but there's no, I mean it's, there's just yeah. no comparison like yeah. I mean <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's just stupid to even say yeah. I have not dedicated my life to it um, when I got into acting I got into it for the same reasons my brother did because we're both creative people and I wanted I was was interested in it as a craft really the last thing i wanted to do was make action movies but when you're bruce lee's kid like that's what's offered to you Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) whether you're good at it or not people are like well you're bruce lee's kid so you have to do martial arts so um so you know for my brother and for me it was sort of a way in trying to get a foot in the door into an industry where then you could hopefully make some moves and do some other work that you were more interested in. He was definitely more on that path than I was. I mean, my acting career was, you know, <laughs> 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 <Like>
1: usually, Not- <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you know. Yeah.
2: but that is one of the places where uh, I had a director on a film. Tell me to do it. The, just he's, We were doing take after take of some action scene. And he said, okay, this time, could you just do it the way your dad would do it? And I was like, oh, like it just hit me in the chest. And I was just like, yeah, on the outside, I was going, yeah, okay, yeah, no problem. And then like we did the scene, we got whatever we got. And then I like went back in my trailer and just like cried.
1: (laughs) When we come back, Shannon tells me how her kid handles being the daughter of the daughter of the dragon. Don't go away.
2: Can you say Advertisements. Yeah, no time. <laughs> <laughs> on But Why, we tackle your tough questions. Is it okay to do something you're told not to do and then never tell anybody? Why do people have to die when they get too old? Why is money so important? Exploring questions with no easy answers on But Why, a podcast for curious kids.
1: We're back with Shannon Lee and me, W. Kamal Bell. So Shannon was working really hard to ensure that her dad's name and legacy would be preserved. And in the middle of that, she started her own family. Shannon's daughter was born in 2002. So one time I asked you to do something. I can't, I can't remember. what I was like, like I got this thing. And I want you to be a part of it. And you come up here and do this thing, come to San Francisco. And you're like, I can't because of my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I felt like you sort of like explaining it. I was like, I got it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I have
1: two kids. I have two—I no parent ever has to explain to me, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're using your kids as an excuse, you weren't. But I feel like parents are allowed to even do that. Like, <laughs> that's your way of saying no. But so I—but I was immediately, like, I want to be clear to you, like, I totally get it. Yeah. If it's, I totally get it. You don't need to—this thing is not worth that. None of this showbiz nonsense is worth yeah. not being there for your kid.
2: No, so, I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: So talk to me about—we're going to put all Bruce aside. Okay. If that's possible. If it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> he manages to sneak up. He he's, does. He's very stealthy.
2: <laughs> he
1: is. Yeah. What, talk about being a mom.
2: Yeah. Oh, being a mom. Um, I love being a mom. It's, as I'm sure every parent knows, super challenging. Um, and, and But to me, in a good way, um, um, see, it's already happening. So as far as like my father's philosophy goes, anything that is a challenge like this is such a huge growing uh, moment for me as a human being. Right. And I guess for me, what I would say is I always wanted to have kids. I, I can't tell you why, but I just always wanted to have kids. I always thought actually I'd have more than one kid, but I have one. And, um, it really, the thing that I really liked about it is that it actually helped focus my whole life because the, I know what the priorities are. I'm also I should say a single parent. Yeah. So, so as a single parent, um not that my daughter's father isn't around, but she spends most of her time with me. So, so um that's a really great thing for me to, to be able to have that, that focus and always know, I mean, it's challenging. Like, like on a day, like today, today was my daughter's first day of high school. Oh,
1: wow. What yeah. are you? Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I know, I know. So I drove carpool this morning. Yeah. I dropped her off and then I had to go to all these meetings and come uh-huh. here. And I, so I had to just make sure like, okay, how's she going to get home from high school? I mean, she's 14 now, yeah. so she, I don't have to be with her every second, but, yeah. um, you know, every day is first figuring out how to care for her and then figuring out how to rest, fit the rest of my schedule in.
1: Oh, and it's a busy schedule. In addition to driving around her teenage daughter, Shannon runs three companies and a charity in support of her dad. So I wanted to know, do you ever get to be Shannon? Are you always Shannon Lee, daughter of the dragon? I'm curious if I pitched you that movie at one point.
2: Well, you know it's a good question because when you're asking me like, what are the things that suck, I, I would say I would say one of the issues is navigating your way through your own identity is is difficult, you know, um, and and luckily um, I. In some ways, I have my dad to help me with that because his philosophy was all about self-actualization and walking your own path and being your best self. The hard part is that when everybody else identifies you a certain way, a lot of times there's a lot of junk that you have to kind of weed through. Mm -hmm. There have been times in my life, my mom, when when we were little, would tell us, don't tell people that you're Bruce Lee's kids. Let them get to know you for who you are, and then they'll already like you or not like you based on that, and then when they find out you're Bruce Lee's kid, it'll just be interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or that weird thing about, like, I don't like you. I'm Bruce Lee's kid. Oh, I like you now. I certainly really like you.
2: Yeah, yeah. so that, which was good advice. It was yeah. good advice. But then as you like start to come into your own as an adult and you get into like weird situations where people are talking to you and you feel like you're being evasive. And then I was like feeling like I was keeping a secret. And then I was like, why am I keeping this secret? And so then you experiment with not keeping the secret. And then you realize that that doesn't work either. Because if you, if you sort of interject that into conversation too soon. Yeah. Like it, oh. it shifts the energy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, as the daughter of the dragon, I think I, oh, I didn't tell you that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, do you want a mocha? <laughs> uh.
2: <laughs> because you never know, honestly, when somebody is a fan or not a fan. I mean, everybody knows the name. So everybody's going to go like, oh, really? Oh, cool. You know, but there are some people who will just suddenly like, oh, <gasps> You know, uh-huh. <laughs> and yes. then and then they're looking at you differently yeah. and then they can't help but treat you in some kind of different way, whether it's reverently or whether it's like they just, you know, so it is something that you, I'm just constantly playing with the level of that. And then, I don't know, it's like nobody else is Bruce Lee's kid. Yeah. I mean, so it is part of who I am, but... I'm not really sure what what that has to do with who I am.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, no. That's I would. Where's the, I mean? I think of this as with, with my daughters. I have two daughters, uh, mm-hmm. and they are they're they. I they have a six year old and an almost three year old. Uh, and they both now realize that, like, dad is this thing that is, I mean, I'm not famous like your dad, but I'm a little bit, I'm famous-ish. famous-ish yes, ish. of course. So that people recognize me and want to see me and take pictures. And my daughter, Sammy, like, will, like, want to be in the pictures. And sometimes we'll meet people who are like, oh, like, my daughter, Juno, as a joke, will just say, like, pretend to be somebody and speak and go, hi, I love your work, which is what people say to me all the time. <laughs> Uh, and then when, and sometimes people will come up to me and go, oh, I, I love your work. And my daughter, Sammy, like, do you want to take a picture? Like, and I'm like, <laughs> right. no, you have to wait for them to ask Sammy. We can't just, yes, come get a picture. <laughs> but they sort of see this thing that is famous and that people look at me differently than they look at other people's parents. And, right. and they like the fact that people like them because I'm their dad and it sort of feels good. And, it, you know, they all sort of, it's sort of a fun experience to see people sort of get excited when they see me. Yeah. What advice would you give to my daughters? Oh.
2: You know, I went through a similar thing with my daughter. You know, my daughter's now fourteen, but when she was, I don't know, six or seven, she really started to understand that her grandfather was a big deal. Yeah, she didn't really know why, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but she just knew that, like, why are people
1: always crying when they meet my mom?
2: (laughs) Like that there was something to this thing. And I remember one time we were at her school, and I was in the like teacher kitchens, the staff kitchen um, like getting some supplies or something and she was in there because school hadn't quite started yet with me. and there was another m- mom or, or teacher or somebody in there with us and she just walked up to them and said, um, do you know who Bruce Lee is?" <laughs> and I was like.
1: No. That's not how we do it. I'm just trying to get art supplies.
2: Yeah, because kids are really, in particular, because of the culture that we live in, they're really into celebrity. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just are. My daughter is like, oh, my God, that actor on that show, he's amazing. Do you think there's any way I could meet him? I'm like, I don't know that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But um, but that said, it's an interesting relationship um, for kids to have in general to, like, learn how to deal with celebrity and, in particular, kids who are closer to it than others. What is the advice that I would give? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I always just really—again, I think it, it probably goes back to my dad's philosophy of just, like, always coming from the core of yourself and that people— Even if people are um, great actors or, you know, amazing athletes or whatever, they have a talent of some sort that you respect and admire, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're good people. Mm. And that the best way to approach all people is by, you know, allowing authentic connection, with them,
1: do you ever? Is there like anything about like how would it, like you know you as a kid that like like you said once people found out you were Bruce Lee's daughter? That, is there sort of like a wall you have to like to be careful? You know what I mean? Yeah, to not let the wrong people in.
2: Oh yeah, I mean you know, <sighs> yes, I mean I I have. A Facebook page, like a lot of people have. And I have a rule on my Facebook page that I actually have to know you and be friends with you in order for you to be on my Facebook page. She, we've had, we have currently right now a social media stalker who won't stop, that she just, it's a woman, and she just won't stop um, trying to be our friends on social media in Mm -hmm. some way. And she's gone to the Um, point of making false um, profiles of me and of my daughter and then trying to get people who know us to friend her so that then she can actually get an actual connection to us. And I mean, and she's made profiles of not just me and my daughter, but even my daughter's friends and, and my own friends as well. And then I have to tell them, I'm like, I'm sorry that this is a bad benefit of being friends with me, is yeah. that you get stalked by wow. Bruce Lee fans. Wow. <laughs> and so then I have to take those profiles down and, yeah. and I don't know how to make it stop. Um, and so she gets... Requested all the time by people and we've had to have very strict conversations about social media and about keeping her account private and not friending people she doesn't know and not posting anything she doesn't want yeah. somebody to see you know I mean it's a parenting conversation as it is but yeah. it's like it's yeah. it's got a little extra 2.0 on it
1: yeah it's got a little, <laughs> got a little yeah <laughs> in a minute the incredibly cool movie idea that, unfortunately, Shannon won't let get made for reasons I agree with. Plus, Shannon tells me a family secret that seriously blows my mind. Oh, you're coming back for this.
0: I'm
1: oh, you have your mouth closed, oh, don't you?
0: Advertisements. What's under here? <laughs> What's under here? <laughs> What's under here? <laughs>
1: We're back with Shannon Lee and comedian W. Kamau Bell. That's me. Shannon's job now is mostly about finding ways to make sure that projects that use her dad's name and image also draw on his ideas, the philosophical side of him. Shannon says she regularly gets approached by movie production companies with big pitches that don't really fit the message she's trying to get out there.
2: I mean, we had somebody who wanted to create a CG likeness of him and put it in a movie and they basically wanted to make like a buddy cop film like rush hour and there were and they had a script and there were scenes of my dad like scaling walls like spider-man because he's like so superhumanly
0: kung fu strong like i don't know (laughs) know what
2: that means and i was like oh, my God, this has nothing to do with Bruce Lee. This just has to do with the fact that you see that there's value in his name. They want to slap Bruce Lee on as many things as they can slap Bruce Lee on. I'm sure they'd be creating chains of martial arts schools and, uh, you know, who knows what, Mm -hmm. but all sorts of things that, if not done right, would be devoid of the real meaning of his legacy and who he was as a human being.
1: So when somebody does do something with his legacy... I would. Does that make you? Which is worse, the level that makes you frustrated with on a personal level or the business level?
2: It, it's it's more frustrating on a personal level. It's also frustrating on a business level because they're, you know, because this is my business, This is what I do, um, and I'm and I work so hard to try to do it well and in the way that my father would be proud of, and then to have somebody come along and just. You know, bastardize the whole thing mm. is is really frustrating.
1: So, I mean, you know, you're the you're the holder of the legacy now with the Bruce Lee Enterprises. Uh, that bakery is it's doing things, doing a lot of things. It you, is. you know, I, I read about like you're just you're working on a new show right now. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's moving. It, I feel like to me like it, there's only bigger and bigger things out there for Bruce Lee Enterprises, uh, especially once I'm named an official member of the company. But uh, <laughs> uh, I got a lot of ideas, Sharon.
2: Excellent. All right,
1: uh, but. Do you foresee your daughter being the next person?
2: You know, I, I think I would take the the same tactic that my mom took, which is I want my daughter to be her own person. If my daughter wants to be a vet or, you know, a physical therapist or I mean, whatever is her thing, you know, um, uh, I'm happy for her to do that. She by no means has to do this. If she has a genuine interest in it, then yeah. I'm more than happy to – nurture whatever genuine interest she has, Yeah. whether that has something to do with our family or not.
1: Yeah. So you talked about your, uh, like your daughter at six years old, sort of th- like sort of realizing that her grandfather was this person who is this bigger than life person. Mm-hmm. W- where is she with it, with him at 14?
2: You know what's interesting? We were just talking about this. So, so this is going to sound crazy, especially to a lot of the Bruce Lee fans out there, but my daughter has not seen all of the movies
1: Oh, yeah. Somebody's head just exploded. Yeah. Somebody's head just exploded yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: And we were just- My head's
1: actually a little bit- Yeah. Oh, no. I know. No, I know. <laughs> no, I get but, it. I get it. It's, yeah. These are just old movies now.
2: Well, and it's not that. It was at a certain point in time- They're violent movies. Yeah. And so at a certain point in time, when she was conscious enough to like understand what's happening on the screen, she didn't want to see those movies because she was a kid for many years- who didn't like any kind of violence in movies, but so she was just saying to me, you know, we should watch the movies. I feel like I, <laughs> wow. I feel like I need, and you know, actually, last summer we went on a trip to Italy and we went to Rome, and so the night before we went to see the Colosseum, we watched Way of the Dragon. <laughs> <sighs>
1: That is such a, an interesting way to go, well, while we're talking about Rome, <laughs> your grandfather. Let me, actually,
2: tell you, let me drop some other history yeah, on you. Oh,
1: my God. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about here, then I'm not sure we can ever be friends. But let me help you out. Way of the Dragon is a Bruce Lee film set in Rome. And there's an epic, again shirtless, fight in the middle of the Coliseum. What is her reaction when she sees when she watches like like way of the dragon? How is she watching it? How is what is he? What is her thoughts about it?
2: Well, it's really funny. I mean, she loves seeing her grandfather, and she always refers to that movie as the movie where where Gong Gong. That's what she calls him, um, his grandfather in in Chinese. And um, she said, "Oh, that's the movie where Gong Gong fights that really hairy guy." <laughs> <laughs>
1: For those who are not aficionados of Way of the Dragon, that hairy guy is Chuck Norris. That's right. And he's very hairy in that movie. It's 1970s chess air <laughs> yeah. that covers his entire body.
2: <laughs> and yeah. part of his back.
1: Yes, yes, part of his back. It's actually one of the plot points of the, of the movie is That's his hairiness?
2: Right. Uh, so she loves seeing him. She loves seeing those moments. I think as a movie, she wasn't too impressed. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a different time. Yeah, It's so
1: funny to think of that was your dad's directorial. Debut. debut, so he, that's when movie he put a lot of time and effort into. Oh yeah! And then to think of his granddaughter, like that guy's got a lot of hair. <laughs> <laughs> like, sort of like, you know, like
2: yeah, so you know we need to sit down and watch the uh, um all the other films. She has not seen them all.
1: Wow. Well, yes, certainly. So, you've made some heads explode there. Yeah. yeah, we
2: have a marathon.
1: That's forthcoming oh. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a part of it I, that's funny you could tell I was like well let me look at my schedule is that open to to people who are not you know elite? um Shannon I'm still waiting on my invite to that marathon if you want to get up on your Bruce Lee jam check out Shannon's podcast aptly named the Bruce Lee podcast We'll put a link to it on our website, along with links to learn more about Bruce Lee's life, philosophies, and see that clip I was talking about at the top of the show. Find this stuff at LongestShortestTime.com. And while you're there, tell us, how have you navigated the legacy of a parent? And what embarrassing things did you do in high school out of your love for Bruce Lee? Think you can top me? I dare you. Leave your thoughts in the comments for this episode. That's episode 138. The Longest, Shortest Time was created by Hilary Frank. This episode was produced by Abigail Keel and Kristen Clark and hosted by me, W. Kamal Bell, Emmy Award winner. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov and directed by Allison Layton brown We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado, Antonia Acatunde, and Recca Murthy. Special thanks this week to Eric Jorgensen at Earwolf LA. And don't worry, Hillary will be back next week with a brand new episode. She's talking to a couple who had a hard time deciding where to send their daughter to preschool. Been there. It just seems like a bunch of people trying to teach my daughter what it means to be black. Do not miss that show. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And as always, The Longest Shortest Time is looking for your stories. Send in anything surprising about your family. Go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. 嘘嘘。